welcome to Behind the Media. I'm your host, Juliana Martins. This is our very first episode, and I am so excited about this. You guys don't even know. It's been a long time coming. But as the founder of my company, 1111 Media Relations, I really wanted to have these important conversations about what goes on behind the media and how it all works. We have a really fun conversation today. Two of my best friends are on the show. They razzed me a little bit, but we also got into the nitty gritty of PR and their business. I'm excited to introduce you to the dynamic duo. If there was a drum roll, it would go right here. Connor Saley and Mike Jojo. Connor and Mike co-founded Waterboy, and we're going to talk about the ins and outs of starting a business from scratch and what it takes to bring it to the next level. So let's dive into the first of many awesome conversations we are going to have on this show. Nice to, nice to meet you, Juliana. It is so nice to meet you. Thanks uh, for having us on your podcast. You are so, so welcome. It, I have so many viewers on my podcast. Um, by viewers, I mean listeners. So you're so lucky to, to be on. Hello, everyone. We have Connor Saley and Mike Jojo here on Behind the Media. We, quick question. Why does your screen name say Conrad, Connor? I was just kind of feeling it today. You know, we're we're living out here in Los Angeles for a little bit. And I don't know if you remember the show, The Hills, but big fan. And for some reason, Lauren Conrad popped into my head today. She's like, you know, I'm just going to go with Conrad. It's that okay. sign up here. Mm-hmm. You know, I just can't help but when I see Conrad, I don't know why. I just think it needs a British accent, British accent like Conrad. Yeah. Conrad yeah. Seward. Yeah. You know, if you do the yeah. rest of the interview in British, I think it would really, it would certainly help me as a, you know, yeah. as a listener. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we whip it out at some point. Okay, I feel like it, it might come out at a certain point. It might, it might. It might. Um, so I'm so excited to introduce you to these guys. Uh, somehow we met under unorthodox circumstances. I was in Austin visiting a friend and I just kept going back and forth at Sarah Coffin. I kept going back and forth and was trying to see her the whole weekend, but she was... Well, that. Mm, I don't know if I remember it that way. Um, I didn't finish it. No wonder you don't remember it that way. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. How do you remember it? it you were visiting Sarah. I wasn't visiting Sarah. Oh, who was the friend you were visiting? I I was... I guess I'm high the one being interviewed now. I was visiting <laughs> yeah, a romantic you know interest. <laughs> There we go. There we go. See, you know, okay. Just don't leave out any details, Juliana. That's You're all I ask. You're making me blush. Okay. So I was visiting a romantic interest and my friend Sarah Coffin from the Bachelor franchise. You might know her. Connor might know her. Um, she she was there at the same time. And so I was cool. trying to see her. The, <laughs> I was trying to see her the whole weekend and and I ended up missing her. And so we were on our way to the airport me and said romantic interest. We're on our way to the airport and Mike's house where Sarah was staying at was on the way. And so we stopped by really quick for five minutes just to give her a hug. And this girl is so persuasive. So is Mike. And they ended up persuading me to cancel my flight, change it to the next night and go to dinner with them. And so um, randomly just went out to dinner with them, met Connor, and we ended up going out for a majority of the Sunday night that that was. And so that's how I met these guys. And now you guys are out living in LA for the next three months, correct? Uh, for now, TBD on what's to come after. But yeah, we were just talking about that earlier today, actually. So 
I think Connor, Connor's warmed up to the idea that would start off as a three-month trial, you know, who knows. Like in PR, uh, I do a lot of three-month trials with my clients. So you guys are doing like a little three-month trial in LA. So that's super exciting. Um, can you mm-hmm. explain a little bit on how you guys know each other and how you guys came to meet? So um, I was I had moved to Austin a little over a year ago. And I met Sarah um, Coffin the previous summer. And Mike, I think Mike met her a little bit before that, um, before I met her. And she ended up introducing us at the end of, I want to say it was the end of 2020, right? We just got coffee one day and Mike had this idea for a kind of a hangover hydration product. So just started talking about it and ended up working on it together. But that's kind of how we met just basically through through Sarah. Okay. And I was going to say, so a lot of people, they're, they're just, they bullshit around like, oh yeah, like that's a good idea. Or this is a good idea. This would be fun. But you guys actually did it and you actually started a whole company together. So how did that come to be? Why Waterboy? How did that that all happen? Like how did it come from just this idea into actually a full-fledged company that you guys started together just based on this one coffee meeting? Yeah, I'll let, I'll let Mike tell the whole story, but one thing that I think is cool about the whole thing is both of us had a business before this. And so we had had a little bit of an experience in starting something, growing it, and ultimately selling it. And um, I think it was cool to like have that prior experience and then bring this together um, and work on it with somebody else. Because I think at least with what I did before, I did it totally alone. I think Mike might have had some business partners, but it was cool to kind of like bring those past experiences into one and, and work on this together. But I'll let... Uh, I'll let Mike take it away for the full story. Just real quick right there. You had a supplement company before. And so I know Waterboy is an ingestible. So do you think that your background in supplements helped you with with this idea or at least starting it? Yeah, I think to a certain extent with like creating a product from, you know, formulating it to uh, creating the packaging to, you know, how are you going to market it, social media, all that stuff. I think that all that was super helpful and kind of all the hoops and things you need to jump through with creating a supplement and, uh, you know, something you're going to eat or, or take. Um, so I would say that was all super helpful. I mean, it, it would have definitely been a totally different experience had I been very new to the whole thing and not had done that before. Um, but I would say every product and situation is totally different and has its own challenges. So even though that was helpful in, in a certain way, starting Waterboy was like a totally different can of worms as well just because it was a different product than a, a gummy, which is what the, the mm-hmm. previous business was. Awesome. All right, Mike, tell us the story of Waterboy. What is it? And and tell us exactly how you guys took everything to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we met for coffee. It was a, it was a really good latte, you know, it was an ex- extended coffee break, but um, really what started Waterboy was honestly just personal need. It was going out and then the night getting away from us or from me at least. And then I would wake up the next day feeling rough. And then at the time, like really the only solutions on the market were either drinks that were good at electrolytes, but were meant for kids or ones that were packed with sugar and they were targeted more towards general hydration. So the idea was, can we take all the electrolytes out of like Pedialyte, which is the gold standard, and then add other things that would help someone when they're hungover the next day. So things like ginger for nausea, alphanine for anxiety, more vitamins for fatigue, uh, make it no sugar and then market it towards adults. So it was, it was really that, just seeing a gap in the market that there wasn't really a, a company or a product that was targeting the like next day hangover hydration or someone to feel better. Um, that, that was like the, that was the initial idea. But then Connor and I, we like never, 
sat down at coffee and we're like, okay, this is like what we're going to do. It was, I think it was pretty laid back. Like we independently worked on stuff here or there. And then that like journey probably took a couple of months of us uh, continuing to work on it. I don't think we like ever sat down formally and we're like, okay, we need to come up with like a business agreement, like a, just like all the, all the formal stuff. I think we were both just more focused on the product and bringing it to life. And then the rest just uh, fell in place. And to Connor's point, I think one thing that helped us is I think we had a lot of the same values and background. And then it was also really good timing because I had just got done from the company I worked at before. And then so did Connor. And I was looking into next things and he was too. So the timing also uh, worked. It wasn't just, you know, having the idea. Definitely. And you guys both are super health conscious. Connor, maybe a little bit too much, such a stickler over there. <laughs> um, so this this definitely makes sense that you would you would go into... Would you, would you call it like a, a hangover supplement or a hangover cure? Like what, what's kind of your like elevator pitch or your, what you would say if somebody asked you what Waterboy is? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's really like if you wake up the next day feeling hungover and there might be main, many reasons, like many things you're feeling, maybe you're dehydrated, maybe you're anxious, maybe you're nauseous. Like what are you going to take to feel better faster? And that's really what Waterboy is. It's by no means like a miracle cure of like, take this, you won't have a hangover, take this, you'll feel a hundred percent like ASAP. Mm-hmm. But if for like a few dollars, you can shorten the timeline of like how long you feel shitty and feel better faster than like, would you? And that's really the the like main premise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say like, at least, I mean, you guys know, I don't really drink that much, but I feel like my biggest mm-hmm. deterrent in the past from drinking was waking up the next day and just feeling terrible and essentially living a wasted day because you're not going to get anything done. And so it's cool to create something that does help to a certain extent and actually you know, it can help me feel a little bit more alive the next day and not just sit in my bed and order Uber Eats. So that's that's been really cool to work on. And it's cool how the business evolved too, because we we started as just this, you know, it's going to be a pre-made drink in a, a can or a bottle or something like that. And it wasn't even necessarily going to be focused on just hangovers. But as it kind of evolved, we switched from a drink to, uh, you know, a, a powdered stick pack. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we really kind of leaned into the hangover thing because we realized that that's really what it what it helps with. So it's cool to kind of see the evolution of the business and how it turned out into what it is now. Absolutely. And you guys know, I mean, when I'm out with you guys, I am a poster child for Waterboy, but for like the most random reason. So I got very violent food poisoning a few weeks ago from Wingstop. And I was so unwell, could not even like just unwell to the to the max. And the only thing that would settle my stomach was Waterboy. I could not go to sleep without it. I just felt so nauseous until I had it. And so I like this stuff works. So that that's super exciting. And what were some challenges you think you guys faced when starting this company from scratch? Because what is it? It's only like a, a year old, right? Or is it even less? So like you're still very much in those initial phases of of building a company. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's different things. And it, some of it Connor already touched on. And some of it's like, obviously, like always unforeseen. And some of it now looking back has been a blessing. But everything from like formulating it, there's challenges that come along with that. Uh, like originally, we were going to be a can and we had too many electrolytes, so it would corrode the can. And we decided eventually we were going to make a powder stick. And we it just accelerated the timeline. And it made a lot of sense because a powder stick is a lot lighter. You can pass the cost savings as a customer. It's more environmentally friendly. It's easier to ship around the country. So having that challenge with the can and moving over to a powder stick just like uh, helped us. 
in retrospect. And we made that decision within like a few days. It completely turned around after we got like lab results that our product was too, uh, was packing too many electrolytes and it would just never pass. And then other things with like dealing with like sometimes with like manufacturing issues, packaging issues, like COVID supply chain issues, delays. Um, there's always stuff that comes up, but it's just really like what you do with the information and like how you move forward. Yeah. And I, I would say too, with anyone starting a business, you know, it's not like you're going into it and spending multiple millions of dollars developing a team and everything and having everyone work on different things. Like it's been Mike and I pretty much working on this the whole time. And at times it's easy to like focus on some things, but when you take a step back and look at the whole business, like there's a lot of different tasks that need to be done. Mm -hmm. And um, that usually falls on the both of us and like splitting those up and, and getting those things done. So, you know, for anyone who's an entrepreneur or anything, that's definitely one of the most stressful and probably biggest challenges is just like handling all the tasks at hand and getting all the stuff done. But we've, we've done a good job of doing that. Absolutely. Mike is quite the workhorse, I will say. He is. He's always working. I mean, that's what that's what we do as business owners. It's like it's your baby, and so you want to pour everything into it, or else nothing gets done. Especially you guys, you don't have this team, so that's what you have to do in those initial phases. Mm -hmm. We are the team. You yeah. are the team, lethal. I think there's a thing that helps with that too, though. It's like being lean and scrappy helps you focus on what's most important. Because if you have so many other people. Initially, maybe you'd like lose sight of that or you'd be so distracted and maybe your resources wouldn't be like properly utilized. But because now we've touched pretty much every single part of business, everything from manufacturing to fulfillment to like marketing, uh, if we were looking for people to take over our roles, which we will in the future, we we have like a good good idea of like what comes with it and what to expect. That, that makes sense. And it's probably easier training people if you kind of know the ins and outs of what their role would be. Yeah, yeah. I, I've told you this before. I am so fascinated with your guys's social media like PR tactics to this point. I say PR tactics. You guys don't have what it, a like proper PR tactic set in place. Obviously, we'll, we'll go on to go into that a little bit later. But I I want to just talk about that a little bit. Um, for starters, Connor was obviously on The Bachelorette and then on Bachelor in Paradise. So do you think that Connor being in the public eye has helped gain attention for Waterboy? Or do you think that that has really helped you as a new business really just like have that platform and help amplify it that way? I think it's helped with a couple different areas. So I, I think some people, especially from The Bachelor, like they think they can just come off the show and start a business and everyone's going to want to buy it. But at the end of the day, like those people don't necessarily follow you because of, you know, your interest in health and wellness or your, you know, your clothing style. They follow you because they saw you on reality TV. And like, that's kind of what they want to know about is like your love life and all that. Mm -hmm. So from actually like selling stuff, I don't know if it's made that big of an impact, but I do think from at least like getting some attention to it from the beginning. And then also I think just from like network opportunities and like connecting with other people, it's been pretty helpful. By other people, do you mean like influencers? Yeah. Other influencers or even like other, you know, businesses that we maybe want to partner with and you know, just other like people that would be helpful for the business. I think whether it's, you know, on Instagram or LinkedIn or somewhere else, like having that experience from the show 
and that audience, I think, has been helpful to a certain extent with some of that stuff. But really, I, I think our our main focus with all like the marketing and social media was on TikTok from the beginning. And the way we kind of looked at that is like, okay, there's all these businesses that just promote on Facebook and Instagram. And TikTok was kind of like the Wild West in a way. And this was back in May and June. So this was a, a little bit ago. But, you know, they all post these very aesthetically pleasing photos and, you know, like try and uphold this certain standard of Instagram. And I had a supplement business in the past and we would post stuff on Instagram. The account had over 12,000 followers at the time, I think. And I think you see these businesses, with these large followings on Instagram getting great engagement. But a lot of times that really doesn't lead to sales at mm-hmm. all. It's just like a cool photo or something like that. And so we were looking at TikTok and we also knew some people that, you know, were TikTokers or worked at TikTok and just hearing all the great results they were getting from other businesses on there, like from themselves promoting stuff. We're like, okay, maybe we should focus our attention here. And it's a bit more of an untraditional way to market than what companies are used to on Instagram and Facebook. But I think we were able to do it in a way where it's been much more personal. And I think all of our you know, customers and people that follow us were able to relate more to the business and the story of how we started it and everything. And mm-hmm. I think when that actually leads to like you selling product and people wanting to buy it, it's been way more successful than I think most companies would see spending tons of money having to market on, you know, Facebook and Instagram. So it's been a bit of an untraditional way for us to do it, but it has been incredibly successful. And we honestly haven't really spent much on marketing, which is really amazing. Yeah. So I, I'm super curious about that. You you guys have obviously had this impressive social media marketing success with little budget, as you just said. Um, I know Mike, he's your little TikTok star. So can you share some of the strategies you have behind that? I know Mike and and Connor, you guys both quickly looked at my social media and you're like, no, change this, change this, change this. What are you doing there? What is that? So what are your strategies for that TikTok marketing? You guys have um, great conversion rates and user-generated content. So what really can you attribute this success to if it's not from Connor's platform? Because I know we all have this perception that you go on a TV show and, and everybody's like heard that stigma. You go on a TV show for the platform, whatever. Not saying you did that. But if the platform's not really leading to sales and this this TikTok strategy is... Um, what what is that success attributed to? Yeah, I think I think a few things, but pr- primarily, honestly, like you can't really overcome a bad product or strong product or market fit. So regardless, like if you don't have that in place, um, it's not like TikTok is necessarily going to save you. So I think what really helps with us is there's a compelling reason why people uh, want to buy, especially when we compare ourselves to like popular alternatives, and we mm-hmm. have very strong product market fit and like clearly defined value props. I think it makes it very easy to communicate that. And then um, as far as like marketing strategy, honestly, was uh, like every CPG brand is competing for eyeballs. And a lot of times you're having to pay and you're having to pay a lot of money with the hopes that the customer will keep purchasing or at some point you'll break even and be profitable. And the way we viewed it from the start is like, we just want every purchase made to be profitable. We don't want to be like a loss leader. Um, And it's like, what platform can we put out content and how much reach can it get? So on Instagram, your content is more so limited to the size of your channel, as well as like Twitter and a few others. On TikTok, we saw this ability that you could be a small creator, and as long as you had a good video that related to people and had good engagement, then it could be viewed by millions. And to be able to get that in like Facebook mm-hmm. ad spend would, would just cost you so much. So for us, that's like one thing that helps with TikTok is the reach. And the other part is 
content on there is more organic, more authentic. Uh, it's typically not high production. So anyone with a, you know, a cell phone can shoot a video and it'd be just fine. You don't need to spend a ton of money on like content full on production. And really it was just making things that we thought related to us or the company with the hopes that other people out there would relate to it. And, and it turns out they did. And it, some of it takes trial and error. You try a few things and no one like cares and they care about more of the other. So then you start doubling down on the things that work and maybe do a little bit less of the things that uh, things that don't. Yeah. And I, I think too, you know, we, we probably spent like a month or two before we even posted a video kind of thinking and like looking at other businesses that were super successful on TikTok and saying, okay, like maybe if we start with this type of video, like that would do really well. And that's mm -hmm. what we ended up doing. And it, it did. But I think one thing that people struggle with on TikTok, whether it's a business or just a personal account is just, there's this always this roadblock of we want like a perfect first video or like a perfect idea for a video. And I think that holds people back from posting all the time because like literally on TikTok, you never know what's going to take off. And sometimes it takes a year plus for, you know, to find that video, find the right thing. So I, like for any business or person listening, I would encourage you just to like post because mm -hmm. I think it's super important just to post a lot of videos, a lot of content. Eventually you'll probably find something that takes off to a certain extent. Like, you know, I, I'm, I know Mike loves this like guy that pours stuff over his food that does like, you know, this <laughs> dance. We, we, we've all seen him at this point. But if you scroll back in his channel, this guy was posting like weird videos for a while. None of them took off until finally one day he just poured cheese over, you know, some broccoli or whatever it was and like started doing this. And now it's like a trend. So it's the same thing with a business, too. Like you got to you got to just like find your your niche a little bit and like find your weird quirk that people are going to like and follow you for. I mean, I, I know so many other business owners and I'm always like, guys, you got to like post on TikTok. You got to got to get on there. And they, they're always like, oh yeah, like we're working on it. We're working on it. Like we got a guy that's, that's helping us, but you just, like, you just got to do it. There's always this roadblock, but people just need to kind of like be a little more active and take action on it. I think it's too, yeah, it's definitely like coming up with the perfect content. I think too, there's sometimes barriers for people of like who they're supposed to be as a brand. Whereas like we're, we're fairly informal. We're not like, I mean, we're not putting like risque content out there, but we're not necessarily mm -hmm. like afraid to get canceled or anything. We're just yeah. making like things that we find funny and engaging, informative, uh, entertaining. So I think sometimes people are, have this expectation of like what a brand is supposed to post and be like versus like what people actually care about, like what they engage with, what they find, uh, you know, funny, informative. There's definitely some of that. Yeah. And I, I think too, like when, when someone sees our videos, we want them to be like, okay. I'd love to like go get a drink at a bar with those two guys because they look fun, like they're fun to be around. Yeah. But when you look at some of other competitors, particularly in our space, I don't even one, I don't even know who runs that company from their videos. I don't know anyone that works there. I just see like these very aesthetically and they've taken their aesthetically pleasing style from Instagram and taken it to TikTok. And it just it doesn't work that way. People want to relate to you nowadays versus see those types of posts. So um, I think we have done a very good job at just making it more relatable to, you know, the people that follow us. Yeah, I feel like in this day and age, authenticity is everything and and just being relatable. Like you said, I'm not going to lie. I've been a little depressed that our Sizzler TikTok did not <laughs> go viral. <laughs> so Connor and I went to a Rams game last weekend and... The, the lines to get an Uber were crazy. We couldn't get an Uber for like an hour and a half 
after the game. And so we walked to Sizzler. I've never been to a Sizzler, Sizzler before. I don't know if you guys have either. And we just decided to do a whole TikTok little shoot in there, posted this funny video and it got like 500 views and I'm so upset. So there's like this preconceived notion, I guess, in my head that I saw Mike go viral with like a million views on Waterboy. So I'm like, okay, why can't I go viral? So it's it's just crazy how some videos go viral and some don't. But True. I guess that makes sense. Like just continue posting, continue posting. Um, mm-hmm. And then something will stick. Well, let me ask you this. How many followers do you have on TikTok? Uh, like 13. Okay. So I feel like there's rarely other platforms where you can have 13 followers and have 500 people see your video. That's so true. I really, I really think surprisingly LinkedIn is the only other one where your post gets way more um, like reach than you have followers or connections or whatever. Like Instagram, Twitter, all those other ones, it's limited to just like the people that follow you. Rarely is it pushed out to more people. Does uh does Danny Drip have a LinkedIn? That's their that's their mascot. <laughs> he he does not have a LinkedIn. He likes to go uh under the radar a little bit. Makes sense, makes sense. Yeah, he's, we're gonna we're gonna revive him and bring him back as we're 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 gonna do something with his account soon. We're excited for it. But <laughs> you- but like not to just hype up TikTok, though, because I feel like everything has like a certain lifespan and then you move on to the next thing because companies, marketers catch on and then they just ruin the platform. So, you know, like in 2013, it might have been Instagram influencers and some companies like really jumped on that like movement and a few others. And then, you know, like and then it was maybe Snapchat. Now there's like a lot of hype around TikTok and probably in like a year or two companies will ruin it and then something new will come up mm-hmm. or a different way to get eyeballs for a lot less. So I think, too, it's you have to be like on the lookout of like what fits your brand and where, you know, are, are you getting like the most ROI out of your time? And I think like, unfortunately, a lot of big companies take a lot of time to adapt and change and like put things in place. Whereas like, if you're smaller, that's where it helps a little bit. Like TikTok works well now, but you know, in a year or two, it might not be the same thing. For sure. So yeah. on that note, like, do you think that brand marketing is constantly adapting? Do you have to start utilizing things like TikTok, whatever the up and coming social media is to make a name for your brand. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to be willing to at least try it and be, be agile. Um, the water boys are very agile. So we've, you know, started to like step into some other places as well. Cause I think it's important to kind of diversify where you are marketing. I, I do agree with Mike. I think it is a, a big challenge for bigger companies and bigger brands to try out these new platforms and new styles of marketing, just because you're so used to using this and maybe you don't know how to like tap into this new audience. Right. But yeah, I think it's really important to be able to do that or else you're going to be kind of siloed into one, mm-hmm. one platform. And ultimately, like Mike said, when that does, you know, go down the drain or get saturated, you're kind of screwed and scrambling to find that. But it is, it's very important. Would you recommend every company have a TikTok presence or, or be on these multiple platforms in that case? Um, no, just, just leave it to us. Maybe for now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You guys dominate the space. Maybe we can just cut the part out, you know, where we recommend TikTok yeah. for other companies. I would, I would stick, yeah. yeah, I would stick to Facebook and Instagram if I was a company. Yeah, okay. TikTok really does not work well. Just, just stick to Facebook, Perfect. LinkedIn yeah. too. Heard that's meta, good. The metaverse, Meta. What's it? Facebook called now? I think it is Meta or Meta. meta. Just Meta. Stick to Meta, meta. boomers. So what kind of activations in person and online do you guys do to engage customers? Like I I remember I think you guys were standing on a street corner in Austin 
uh, a college campus. Like <laughs> you guys are out and about on the town. So what what are you doing to get in front of these consumers and and get in front of this this new audience? Yeah, well, I, I think with our product, it's something that people it like once someone tries it, then they can kind of see like, okay, this this works, like this does the job. And so I think that's something we're starting to get into more. Obviously, we've we've done a lot of stuff on TikTok and have kind of focused on that. But as you know, the business has grown, it's like, okay, what are these areas we can step into? And doing in-person events and activations is something that we really want to do. And, and with COVID too, like that was tough for most businesses. But now that things have opened up a bit more, it's it's something that we can do now. But yeah, like when we were kind of creating new flavors and, and reformulating the product, we went to you know, UT and um, had a bunch of students taste test it. We honestly just stood at the corner and whoever walked by, we offered. Mike has some funny videos of me asking people and them just totally turning me down. It was, it was anytime Connor would ask a guy. They would just walk yeah, by. Any, they'd be like, any, no, any I'm, I'm, guy good, I'm good, bro. Yeah, they were, they were not having it. But then we we dropped off some products at uh, the sorority houses out there too, which was really fun. Did. Of course you did. And, Obviously, strategies, right? Sorority house, <laughs> of course. Well, Why no, wouldn't hey, you? You know, college students get... You know, they love going out. Hangovers are pretty popular over there. So, um, you know, it's cool to like interact with those people and just, you know, kind of tell them about the brand. They met Danny Drip. Um, so it's cool to like get them involved. I think we made some some funny, cool videos with that. We put on TikTok as well. But I think doing some other in-person events, maybe it's something sponsored by us or, you know, collaborating with other brands on events too. Mm-hmm. Those are definitely things that we want to do. Because I think when you can kind of create these in-person activations, um, you know, not only will people post about it on social media and things like that, but people are able to try the product, understand what it does and really see that it works. So we're, we're definitely doing more of that stuff. Of a really good idea. I'm writing it down and I'm going to talk to you about after the podcast, my PR mind, just my oh. wheels were turning from what you just said. Oh, I love it. So where do you, where do you find new customers then? Um, honestly, so this is what Connor was saying a little bit too. And right now when we're small and still growing, we have to figure out like, okay, what gives us the highest ROI on our time and effort and dollar? ROI is return on investment? Yeah. We're like, yeah, just general return to like, whether that's on our time, like on money we're putting in. So right now for us, what scales the most is content, our own content on TikTok. And now we're starting to get into other platforms, maybe collaborating with influencers, uh, affiliates, and maybe even doing things like events. But right now, like the majority of our customers probably come from people being exposed to our content on TikTok and then like friends of friends, word of mouth uh, between like existing customers. Okay, cool. And like I said at the top of this, I'm I'm asking if you have a PR and media strategy set in place. I, I know you don't. So I'm wondering why. And then do you think that PR could help you in your current state? Like I know you guys just launched a new flavor. Um, I know PR personally, I, I've given... You guys both the rundown of, of where I think your company could use it. Um, obviously, since it's a supplement, PR helps with credibility with customers, manufacturers, distributors, and then also boosting SEO, search engine optimization. So do you see a strategy being set in place? Yeah, I, I definitely think that's stuff that we want to do. I know you and I have talked about this before, but with my last business, um, I won't name any names, but I worked with a PR firm that was based in California and not 1111 like media relations, not 1111 media relations. We love them. They do great work, but it was a different firm. And I felt like they did a lot of over promising and under delivering on stuff. 
And, you know, especially when you're paying like thousands of dollars for a service, like you kind of expect results. And I just felt like there, nothing was really achieved. And I think maybe there was some miscommunication on like what the goal of the PR was going to be. Cause I know like, depending on what your goal is, that can change. Mm -hmm. That was just a little frustrating for me. So I think I, I haven't had like the best past experience of it or best view in my mind from it. But I do think it's very important. And especially as we look to like, okay, growing this business and really developing more credibility in the space, like you said, with whether it's manufacturers or also retail stores too, like that's going to be important to have that stuff. Um, and more customers, I think, you know, like getting in publications yeah. and, um, you know, helping set up these events and things like that is incredibly important. So it's definitely stuff that we want to get into, but just having, you know, like we talked about before, it's just the two of us running this right now. So mm -hmm. there's so many different like areas and we kind of have this like, you know, you know, like the food pyramid thing, right? Like pillars. Yeah. So like the most important thing, well, I guess the pyramids flipped for this, but like the most important thing to us is the top little triangle of the pyramid. And that's mm -hmm. probably like content creating content. And then there's like the layers underneath, which is like new things that we're starting to get into and work on. And the very bottom is probably like things we, you know, aren't super pressing right now, but PR is definitely something that's important for us to do. I think it's just us trying to figure out when and where to fit that in. Absolutely. And I mean, I've worked with customers before or clients before that are trying to get into wholesale, trying to get into like a Whole Foods or a distributor and they'll they'll take a look at their company and be like, okay, so how do we know people are going to buy this? And then mm -hmm. they'll see that there's this article in Forbes, Pop Sugar, Birdie, whatever that the outlet is and see that 14 million people saw that article. So it's like, okay, you're clearly... People know you, you have the awareness and then they're going to be more likely to buy units of your product. So I definitely see that being like an exciting thing in your guys' future once once you do get to that pillar. Question for you. So like as a company that's wanting to do PR and maybe get like a Forbes article or get in men's health or something like that, like what does that process look on your end? And also how likely is something like that to happen for for a business? So it's about finding the right publicist. So and it depends mm -hmm. on your guys' budget. So you could pay a monthly retainer to a PR agency, to a publicist, and just have them do a ton of outreach, but say these are your top three outlets and really trying to get something there. And I only do organic press, not only. I'm not going to pigeonhole myself there, but all of my, a lot of my press is organic. And so I will reach out to like 30 Forbes editors just to make sure that I get somebody that is super interested about writing about your product. So mm -hmm. um, that's how I would do my outreach and just just reach out until I get a yes from somebody. But then there are some people that do paid press, but then you're paying $20,000 for a Forbes article and it's sponsored. So you kind of lose that credibility because it's not organic, because it's not an organic placement. And mm -hmm. so people are less likely to be attracted to something sponsored. Um, right. Yeah, no, that, that is a really good point. I feel like sometimes when I see the Forbes logo on some companies' websites, I take it with a grain of salt because I don't know if that was organic or if they paid for that. And I guess you can see... You can see it when you click, you click in. click into the article, yeah. Totally. But I think that was a frustration I had with the previous people is, you know, they one of the things they kept promising was like, I'd be on the Today Show for this, which would have been sweet, obviously, because you get to sell a bunch of product. Totally. And that just never ended up happening. And so you know, I'm just curious, like what the likelihood of getting into yeah. some of those things actually is. Well, that's the thing. Like, 
you'll, you should never promise coverage if mm-hmm. you're an organic publicist. I will never promise something to my clients. I always give sample outlets always, I will reach out to and then um, look for somebody that has done it in the past. Like right now, I can whip out five articles that I've personally gotten for my tequila client. And so if you see that I had five articles in the beverage and alcohol and spirits place space, you guys are a hangover cure, quote unquote. So mm-hmm. it would be more trusting to go with somebody that does have the receipts already that has done this before. For and sure. So absolutely no promises. Like you should mm-hmm. do... That's why the three-month trials come in. Um, it makes it more comfortable for everybody else. And you, if you're close with your publicist and, and the negotiation processes, you can kind of decide like what makes sense. Like for some people who are really, 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 really hesitant, I will do something called like pay per placement. So if I get you, you'll, you'll play like pay a flat fee for me drafting the press materials. And if I get an article, you pay for that. But if I don't get one, you don't pay for that. And so it's more comfortable for people like you that are starting a new business. You might not have the biggest budget. You still get what you want, but there's really like low risk for you. And then I'm not wasting a ton of my time on something. Um, right, right, right. And so that that's a, a way that I like doing mm-hmm. stuff like that. That totally makes sense. Mike, what do you think about PR? I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not familiar with it because like I have never had to use it yet. And to us, it's more of like, what are we trying to solve, right? Because initially it was, okay, we want to make sure we have a good product. Like that's first and foremost, we need to solve for that. And then next thing is like, okay, how can we actually sell this product cost effectively? And we found like our niche and now as their like inventory runs are getting larger and larger, I think like this this one we're doing right now is like five times the size of the one like the two before. So as these are getting larger, then it's like, okay, then we need to either pump out more content, figure out a ways to acquire more customers, maybe ch- expand channels. And then with that too, it's like, what other ways are there in which we can sell product? And it's, okay, if we want to do cool influencer partnerships, then maybe we can throw cool events and have PR media coverage to where it would get it to more influencers out there. Or if we want maybe to take this to like a retailer, then we're maybe needing, I don't know, a certain kind of media or PR coverage Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, communicates credibility. Like for us so far, hasn't been a bottleneck because like our online conversions, I can see they're above the industry average. So it's not like anyone's going on our website. It's like, oh, you know what? Like I've seen Mike and Connor, they're pretty informal on TikTok. I'm not sure if I trust their product. Like luckily we've not, that has not been an issue, but I think as the company matures and as their marketing budget grows, obviously, then you start setting aside in different areas where the ROI might be a little bit more uncertain, but you can take those risks as you're bigger. But it's just that while we were while we were smaller and we didn't have a need, just because we, the type of product that we were developing, then we didn't focus as much on it. But I think like everything has its you know has its place uh, for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So what's next for Waterboy? How do you take your company to the next level? Yeah. So like right now, honestly, we've done everything on just one platform, one product, one SKU. And like, if you look at some of the traction we've got, it's like more than companies that have had have full on product lines. So right now for us, it's more of taking customers feedback, improving the product. That's like first and foremost, introducing new flavors that they're going to enjoy and then expanding platforms that we're on. So we're not just relying on, you know, one platform um, and then maybe expanding product lines as well as um, as well as reach. Um, and just taking that, taking all of that step by step. Awesome. So we'll put the links to your socials and website in our show notes, but where can our listeners find you? 
It's uh, it's super easy. Just the, are you talking about the company or us as individuals? Both. You guys are <laughs> okay. just so fabulous. I just want everyone to follow everything. I was going to say the good news with Waterboy is that now we finally have the domain waterboy.com. So it's Woo-hoo. very, it's, that's very easy to type up and find. But yeah, if you want to find Waterboy on social media, it's at waterboycan on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to find myself on Instagram, it's con sale away. If you want to find Mike, <laughs> tell, 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 tell him what it is. Do you want to tell him my hinge or my my uh, Instagram handle? <laughs> well, if you live in LA, you might see him on hinge. Everyone um, in LA will see this man on hinge. I'll tell you that. I will tell you that. He's literally the bachelor of LA right now. If you he want is. to find my Instagram, it's probably easier to just find Connor first and, you know, maybe see if I'm tagged in a post and then <laughs> just find me that Which is what girls way. do. Yeah, yeah. What's my what last ladies name, do? My last name is so hard to spell on Instagram, which makes it not very uh, SEO friendly. I know. So. I thought your name was Max for the longest time because it was like MXA. And so I like, I don't have dyslex- I, dyslexia, but like I just like switched it up in my head. So I thought your name was Max. So um, you can find Mike on Conrad's Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming. This has been awesome and i am excited to see you guys when i'm back in la oh yeah wait before we sign off can we get a little group Woo! can we do it like, on, right. a, like on a count of like three a, yeah okay yeah. Hey. three two one <laughs> there we go amazing That's what's lethal. up my friends yeah what is up y'all <laughs> Behind the Media is a Red Rock Music podcast and is powered by ACAST. I'm your host, Juliana Martins. Our producer is Emma Martins. Our executive producer is Red Yoakum. For more, follow us on Instagram at Behind the Media Podcast. New episodes weekly available wherever you listen to podcasts. Come back next week for another look behind the media.